Wait, did Nick disappear or or is it just me? It's just you. Oh my gosh. Alex, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, we. I can hear you. Can is you hear Simon? Is this a Sprint commercial? What are we doing here? I, 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 I feel like my dad just the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is the third time this happens. Um, the Gooch, the Gooch is failing me. <laughs> Welcome everyone to Tech by Design, where the Richmond Technology Council takes you to the edge for trending tech and innovation here in Richmond, Virginia. I'm Nick Surface, CEO of RVA Tech, along with Alex Atanias, CEO of Shaco. Come join us. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. We are joined by a new special host today. Uh, we've got Sunny Gupta from Daybreak IT Solutions. He's going to be joining us to share his expertise, his humor, his insights, all of the good stuff that he can bring to the team. Sunny, welcome. Do you want to start by just kind of telling us a little bit more about you and why you agreed to do this? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so hi, Lauren, Nick, Alex. Thank you guys for having me. Long time listener, first time caller. I don't know if that's how I got invited to this thing. I was, you know, telling, I was talking to Alex about one of his conversations from a previous podcast and it was about wearables. And then he was like, that's so cool. Do you want to join our next uh, podcast session? Like he immediately transitioned into an invite, which is uh, flattering. Um, but uh, in terms of me, um, I'm the co-owner of an IT recruiting and consulting firm here in town. It's called Daybreak IT Solutions. We formed our business in 2009. I feel like I've been connected to the RVA tech scene forever. Like I've been in IT recruiting since the late 90s and I'm very passionate about everything Richmond. And I think that's probably why I volunteer so much of my time to um, RVA tech. And uh, yeah, so uh, that's a little bit about, about me. Awesome. Well, we're excited to have you on. And today we're going to actually spend some time looking back at the year since we are coming up hard to believe on the end of 2023. I thought we could kind of do this as another like two-parter, do today looking back on 2023 and then next week so everyone can prepare themselves looking at the year ahead. So, I mean, like, let's just kick it off, right? What were the top trends? And then we'll kind of take it down nitty gritty from there. Sonny, let's go with you. What do you think are the top 2023 things that happened this year? Tech or not tech? Let's, let's go with tech or RBA. Tech? Um, I mean, it's hard not to talk about. AI, right? I mean, I know it's like permeating every conversation that I have with you know my internal team and uh, our consultants and and my clients. I don't know when was it November of 2022 when ChatGPT dropped, and um, everything that's kind of evolved from there has been exciting and scary. Like I know um, I've, I've heard you guys talk about dystopian and utopian you know outcomes, and um, I feel like I've seen both um, this past year. From um, I remember I wake up each morning uh, with um, uh, I read Morning Brew, I read Richmond Biz Sense, I hit New York Times um, newsletter and uh, the Axios newsletter, and then I hit my Twitter feed. And this one particular link was to a new song that had dropped from Drake and um, The Weekend, and I was like listening to it, and I'm like, this is really cool. And then I realized it was AI generated. And, um, you know, the, the, the lyrics were, were, were written by somebody, but the vocals were all AI generated. And that was you know, kind of, I don't know, that was like March, April timeframe. And it kind of gives you a window into like what 
can be done with this technology. And that's just one, you know, kind of whimsical application, but the, the practical professional applications like Copilot and Bard, I don't know. I feel like that's probably the most memorable theme for this year for me. Yeah, I can I can piggyback on that AI front too. Um, one of the things I put together early in the year was a, a trends report coming back from, from South by Southwest. And the first thing that I put in that report was that chat GPT was a brand new bottle of ketchup, meaning that it's one of those things, you get it on the restaurant, at the restaurant, you pick it up from the table and you have to hit it eight times. But then all of a sudden, you don't just get a nice, smooth, you know, drizzle out. You get all of a sudden a giant big clump. And I feel like, you know, we keep saying AI has been around forever. AI has been around forever. You know, that bottle has been sitting on the table for a long time, but we're just now hitting it in the right spot. And we're getting this, you know, flood of capability and, uh, and content and accuracy that we've never seen before. And so I think it's, it's ironic how that analogy, I think, still seems to translate, you know, seven months later, it's, it continues to just exponentially scale itself. And I think, I don't know that any of us expected that to happen so fast, but certainly increasing levels of practicality, capability, potential use cases galore among companies. I feel like every company is now changing its URL from .com to .ai. You know, and I say that half serious, half joking, because like I, I see it a lot. It's a lot of .ais out there. Everybody's an AI company all of a sudden. So that's where I'm at. Alex? My dishwasher and washing machine both have an AI sign on them, like a little like person with a brain on it. And, and they have an AI cycle. I still don't know what it means. Um, I read the manual, but apparently um, washing machines come with AI. <laughs> I want to take it away from AI. I think there's been some really cool things that have happened in, in terms of um, tech that are kind of happening behind the scenes because AI is kind of a blanket for all. But um, we had SpaceX, star, uh, what is it, Starship launch this year? Um, that was insane. Um, that is theoretically the spaceship that will carry people to Mars one day. I think it happened in April and then again in November, if I'm not mistaken. So that, that's a pretty historical feat there. I think other things that, that I'm thinking about are Vision Pro. Our head of iOS, Justin, basically is excited about the Vision Pro because he, in, in a very not too far future, will not need to have um, monitors. So he could start basically getting rid of hardware and put on this theoretically put on the Vision Pro and work on his laptop and essentially have extended screen capabilities for himself. I think I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to basically take the next step into what is Web3, this decentralized kind of computing state that we're getting into and building from the ground up. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, in, in today's world, we, we build around essentially a business. I think in tomorrow's world, we're gonna build around a person's needs. Um, yeah, so, so there's so much stuff that is actually happening and, and obviously AI is, is the linchpin for a lot of it. So Alex, I know you, you're obviously pretty well-versed in augmented reality, virtual reality. Nick, Lauren, I don't know if you guys have had the opportunity to put on those Oculus or metaverse lenses. I thought it'd be really cool to buy it for my family for Christmas. Oh my gosh. It was, it was so exciting. You know, like it came with a couple of games like Beat Saber and Resident Evil, and, and, and so I have a point here. Um, but we're playing Beat Saber. All the kids are loving it. My wife's loving it. And then we're, we're like up our level to uh, Resident Evil, and um, it's intense. So my son's playing it, and all of a sudden, he like takes him off, and he's like, I'm feeling really dizzy, and I'm having some motion sickness. And and I was like, you know, that's that's just a rookie move, dude. He just got a little scared in there. 
And so I put them on and I'm getting really into the game and all of a sudden I'm having serious motion sickness. <laughs> and we both were sitting outside on the front porch trying to like get our faculties back because we were so immersed into this, you know, kind of virtual world and spinning around and whatnot. And so I don't know, is this a, is this a common question or concern that comes up from users? You know, that's interesting, Sonny, because we've kind of been talking about the physical uh, or seeing the, the physical ramifications of tech slowly over time. It was at first it was just TV, right? Like don't sit in front of the TV for too long. And then now it's been your head and your phone. You got to limit screen time and, and start to monitor that. And now we're actually starting to feel physical effects because we're so disoriented from being in this other world. It's like, man, the, uh, the ramifications have certainly scaled and, uh, and grown here. Yeah, I think I think for me, like um, as as we do as as we do our thing at Shaco, one of the phrases that we gravitate towards is the phrase "look up," and so we don't do a lot of VR. We have done we've done a few VR projects, but for those people that have worked with us, right, it's, it's about making life better, faster, and easier. It's not about getting your your face in your phone. And and I've gotten in trouble with with, with a few clients and prospects for saying this, right? It's not about keeping people engaged in their phone as long as possible. It's about making sure the technology makes your life a little better. And so from a gaming perspective, I mean, there are a lot of games that make life's, people's lives better, but we don't do a lot of gaming. I would say we don't do any gaming. And, and for those projects that we do work on, both at Shaco and outside of Shaco, it's more about looking up, right? It's about becoming more human and using that technology to make your life a little better. So from my perspective, Sonny, I agree with you. The first time I put on an Oculus, um, I sat in it for, I don't know, about two or three hours. And when I took that head, first of all, you're not supposed to do that. But then when I took the headset off, I had no idea where I was. I, I had exactly the same thing. I had to step outside, crack a beer and basically like refocus and rethink. And I'm like, okay, we cannot do this anymore. So, so um, I, I think that's a little bit different than, than any of the augmented reality stuff that we have worked on that I do believe bring in. My only other thing was I didn't before we swing back through to anything in Richmond, anything about like Twitter or any like trends that kind of like disappeared this year the, that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, I know Sonny was just talking about kind of the video game world and the virtual you know world that is the metaverse. But um, I feel like at the beginning of the year, we were talking about the metaverse as a thing. So like I was saying, the metaverse seems to have kind of sunset from the headlines. It is now, you know, I think we've just acknowledged it's a virtual world. There are several different applications of that and areas where those are being developed. But the need to be in, quote unquote, the metaverse or play in the metaverse or have the business presence there, um, you know, it may not be the most important and uh, the biggest headline in the world. I think we've moved on to more practical applications obviously AI. But Alex, I'll pass to you. You're you're kind of the metaverse guy. At least you were for a little bit. You were touting that. You had a great airport ad. Uh, loved seeing you and Edwin uh, going in and out of flights over the course of the past year on that on that advertisement. Um, what's your take on the metaverse? Yeah, I think um, in, in a nutshell, everybody makes mistakes. Um, but uh, on a more serious note. What's the new ad? I got to hear what the new ad is going to be. <laughs> No, honestly, like I do believe that there is a space for the metaverse and, and it just, we couldn't find it. I think there was just too much of it, too much noise out there. I think there is a space for a digital twin, a digital presence and a digital life. And it's how do we bring that into contact with our physical life? And, and I think once we find the way to do that correctly, it, it'll make that specific experience a lot better. I, I think from my perspective, whatever we want to call it in, in the near future, 
Imagine having a digital version of your house in some web space. Imagine having a digital copy of your body so you could basically understand what's actually going on with it in, in a very near future. I think those are more practical applications to, to what could be a metaverse. I think there were some really cool applications to the metaverse, right? I think Domino's did a really cool job. So when people were actually playing in the metaverse, they could actually order a pizza that would be delivered to your house. So, so that brought both worlds together. So, so I think there was a lot of really, really good learnings from the metaverse on, on a very um, serious um, topic there. And, and I think given the nature of AI and, and basically bringing our, our physical and, and uh, digital worlds together, I think we'll see a resurgence of the metaverse in, in a year, two years, three years with more intent. I don't think it's gone. I think we just have to revisit it when we're ready for it. And, and I think when we are, I, I hope we visit it in, in a way that basically brings the worlds together in a way that's beneficial not in a way that basically separates us and forces us to either be here or there. And I know we're coming up on the end of our time together, but I wanted to make sure we had time since we've got all of these Richmond tech leaders here. Let's talk about like any like trends from from Richmond specifically in the last year. Anything that stands out, any like memorable moments or headlines? Right. I want to give a shout out there, Lauren, and, and I want Sonny to kind of talk about this and, and maybe correct me because I've, I've been speaking about Sonny's new business to a lot of different people. And, and that's one of the things that inspired me to ask Sonny to, to come on this podcast as a recurring guest or a recurring moderator, however we want to define that. Sonny, talk to us about your new company. Um, I, I love this concept of, of fractional staffing, if, if I get it correct, with tech being easier, uh, enabling a lot of people to start companies. I think one of the things that, that was hard for a lot of founders to do was really find the right resources. And that's where your idea kind of started taking shape. So, so I think that's a huge trend for Richmond in alignment with who we are as a city. Yeah, um, maybe I'll start a little broader and then I'll get to your question, Alex. You know, when I look back to this year and, and probably the last 18 months, economically speaking, you know, nationally and even here in Richmond, it's been a challenging time. There's been, you know, some pauses in, in budgetary spending. There's even been, you know, layoffs. And um, oftentimes when you see really dramatic things like that happen, there's innovation that, that kind of spurs out of it. You know, you have that individual that's thinking maybe now's the time to brush off that idea I had on the shelf and, and bring it to life. And I've seen some really exciting innovation through Startup Virginia here, and um, there's some really cool companies that you know have been through their accelerator program for the last few years and in particular this year and i can't take full credit for this idea um i have a, a thought partner from sandbox um, her name's jill lemon she's very involved in the startup scene they provide like fractional cfo and hr and operational consulting to high growth startups and um, together we both recognize this gap you know if you're a founder and you're bootstrapping an idea and an operation, and you get to that point where now it's time to address talent. Like I wanna be able to go get engineers that can really you know, help take me from where I am today to where I wanna go. The cost of entry is challenging. You know, the resources are expensive. If you wanna utilize a professional service, like you know, what we provide, like many of my peers provide, there's a high bar there. And, and what if it, like Alex said, what if it's not full service? What if it's like fractional service? And so when Jill and I were talking about this, we came up with this concept of more of a, like a founder-friendly approach to talent acquisition um, and specifically focused on the startup scene. And the name of the concept uh, we affectionately came up with uh, was Early Bird. My team and her team 
all kind of submitted ideas for the name. We even asked ChatGBT to play. And um, thankfully, uh, Early Bird was a human-generated name. But the concept being that, you know, if in the early iteration of your business, when it comes to um, you know, growing your IT talent, equitable approaches and solutions out there. Nick, what about you? What have you seen? And, and so, Sonny, I, just before I go to Nick, um, I could not agree with you more. There's so many people that I talk to that come to shock and they're like, can you help us build fill in the blank? And I was like, you, it's just, it's, it's going to be expensive. And what you need to do is start building your own tech talent. Um, obviously, Shaco has a very good space in the market and, um, and, and a need, but I think what you guys are doing is, is just incredible. So thank you. Very much appreciated. No, Alex, what I've seen going back to to AI um, and, you know, there's a, the fear of uh, it replacing workforce and reducing workforce. What I've seen on the tech side is it it's now created a new vertical or expertise or area of competency that tech teams are having to address and staff for and develop. And so. I'm seeing it at the enterprise level where there was a cyber group and a product group and a data group, you know, or just a software development group. But now, you know, people are are messing around with, is AI its own separate department? Is there a chief AI officer? How does that relate to overall experience development and, you know, UI UX? And how does that in, integrate into operations? Are we just customer service change? Do a lot of the manual, you know, processes change, whatever it is. And so I'm seeing it expanded there. And then, if it expands at the enterprise level, well, then you're going to see it at the service level too. So you're going to see anybody who's a managed service provider or a vendor that is more generalized, they're going to add AI as a potential service they can sell. And so now you're you're seeing the expansion of these vendors as, hey, we not only provide IT support or cybersecurity or UI UX, we now provide an AI component. We'll do an AI analysis. We'll do an AI review. We'll, we'll talk, tell you what the, where the opportunities are or the threats. And so for me, it seems like there's an opportunity for an expansion in business, um, an expansion of the tech sector internally at almost every company. So I'll stop there. Yeah, Nick, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, with like the custom GBT stores that are coming, I mean, it's you're literally going to have your own internal AI resource for an organization. Um, I mean, I'm already kind of leveraging ChatGBT as as a quasi personal assistant for me for so many things. And that's just me. And I'm, you know, a small business in Richmond. And so can you imagine, you know, on an enterprise level, how the technology can really just propel innovation? I was reading, I can't remember which which newsletter it was, but uh, Amazon's providing free education for prompt engineers. And so I definitely see this future where you're going to have teams of, of people that are really good at like providing good prompts to your AIs and, and getting out like really, really um, meaningful outputs. I've never heard that term prompt engineer before. Is that, is that a new uh, position description that you're seeing out there? Yeah. So, I mean, and Alex, please jump in. Um, so if you punch something in a chat GBT and you're like, hey, I want to write a blog about a reflection on 2023 as far as the Richmond technology scene, and it'll, it'll output some things for you. But the better questions you ask, the more contextual questions you ask, like you could, you could link in previous blogs you've written, you could link in your LinkedIn profile, the more information you feed it, the more um, useful the output will be. And so the prompt is essentially a skill set that, you know, is being developed and, you know, how well you can generate those prompts will, you know, again, enrich the output. Alex, you want to, I don't know if there's anything I missed there, if you want to add or elaborate. 
Yeah, I think the only thing that, um, I mean, spot on, um, Sonny. And, and Nick, to answer your question, I don't think it's new. I think it's been around for a very long time. I think we're just resurfacing kind of some of the theories. I think within the role of prompt engineering, the goal is, as Sonny mentioned, to make sure that you have correct prompts for an AI system, but also to integrate that with some sort of skill set in, in coding, right? So how do you bring that into a user experience? How do you bring that into function rather than just prompting a, a keyword or a question into an algorithm? Right. So you want to kind of bring that into an experience. And then I think the second piece to that is the ability to refine and analyze the, the results based on whatever objective you have. So yeah, I think prompt engineering is going to become more prominent in the, in the very near future and something that a lot of businesses are going to have to really assess how they do right. Right now we're all learning how to do this. Um, I think from my perspective, we just have to be careful. We have to much like Google, we just have to make sure that we understand the results that we're getting. Not to go into too much detail, but this morning I basically said, hey, whatever, Google, right? Uh, Bart, tell me the history of the Otanias family. And it's like, the Otanias family was a prominent carriage maker in Russia. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know my family was from Russia. I thought they were from Spain. <laughs> and I was like, tell me a little bit about, I don't know, the, the Taylor family. And they're like, the Taylor family is a prominent carriage maker from Russia. And I'm like, oh, great. So um, we just have to be careful with kind of some of that prompting. Truth. Is there a carriage making um, history in your family, Alex? Uh, yes, but not on my not on my Spanish side. So I think I think Google just uh, just got confused there with with some of the prompting. We're coming up on time. Are there any final like thoughts, takeaways, insights anyone wants to share? Uh, Nick, uh, how about you tell us a, a quick synopsis on on RVA Tech before we go? I mean, we've had so many good events. Like thirty seconds on RVA Tech and, and the coolest things. Yeah, been a wild year. Seven conferences. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. We had a great gala this year. Uh, looking forward to next year already. We'll be at Main Street Station next year. So if you're planning your gala 10 months out, um, get ready to go. The whole AI and ML grant this year with the Federal Economic Development Tech Hub thing. You know, that didn't pan out the way we wanted to there, but we received a lot of collaboration and a lot of new relationships as a result. And I think it kind of creates a great launch pad for us to do some cool stuff in AI or just at the forefront of tech in collaboration with other organizations and companies around town. So wasn't on the radar in January 1st, but um, looking back on December, you know, what are we, December 6th or 5th, it was probably one of the most impactful parts of the year for us. So um, we'll keep looking for those opportunities uh, in the new year as well. And can't wait to, to see what 2024 brings. Can I add one thing there to what Nick was just saying? Yeah. Um, I, I really love this concept you guys are launching. I don't know if it's, what is it, Experience Richmond, where you're kind of reaching out to... Yeah, try Richmond. Um, yeah, try Richmond. So all the tangential city, Northern Virginia, you know, Raleigh, uh, Charlotte, you know, they kind of put together this really cool package of, you know, your hotel, your uh, conference fee, and then travel, you know, to and from. And I thought it was genius because Richmond is a pretty amazing city. Um, you know, um, the technology is vibrant. The food scene's vibrant. I'm a beer nerd. There's a bunch of breweries here in town. So anybody that's listening to this podcast that's from out of town, I encourage you to check that out. That's awesome. Thanks, Sonny. Sonny, are, are, are we going to have you back is, is, is the question <laughs> that I want to finish with. A am I invited back? <laughs> Sam, we scared you off. <laughs> I think we got we to gotta have you back to talk about looking ahead. We've looked behind. Now we got to look ahead. Yeah. Next time, yeah, we'll talk about looking ahead and Sonny will be with us. Cool. And we'll take it from there. Sounds good. I. Well, this time next week, we'll talk 2024. Thanks, everyone. Awesome. See y'all.